Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, good to see each of you in the house this morning. And I want to welcome our online audience. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate you guys. Love you. Uh, I said in the first service, man, that song is just so stinking powerful. Uh, I, I just, as we sang it, first service and this service, I just visioned the World Series just going on. And uh, sorry about some Astros, but that tomahawk chop is just, mm, that tomahawk chop just got something this year. I'm just saying, I'm saying. So I just think it'd be cool. You sing the national anthem, which we should sing it, and it's beautiful. But then we bust out in that song in all the stadiums and just reset this country, man, to the great I am. I just think it'd be awesome, man. I mean, people are beat down, they're wore out, they're, they're just, they're heavy. But that song right there, woo, that, that'll light your fire right there. And you could just imagine a stadium full of people just busting that out, man. That'd be beautiful. It'd be gorgeous. So, hey, good. I'm not going to get lost in sports. Even though I could, I got to dial this back, okay? Uh, works of the flesh. We jumped into that a couple of weeks ago. I did the first part. I did kind of an intro of what works of the flesh are. And then last week I did part one. This is part two. So I want you to go to your word. Uh, John chapter 15 is kind of our text for this whole series. The series is called Prune and Bloom because what we're after is we want God uh, to prune us if need be to cut on us so that we might bloom better for him because that's what it's all about. It's not about us. It's not about us individually. It's about the Father, his glory. That's what we're after. And so we looked at John 15, and I wanna go there. I, wanna, I want you to follow with me. We're gonna read several scriptures today and then kind of land back on Galatians chapter 16 or chapter five, verse 16 again. But go to John 15. If you're at home, grab your word with me. Uh, John 15, uh, beginning verse one. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at verse eight. This is what it's all about. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What we're after is making much of him. Listen to me. Our Our job as born-again, saved Christians, our job, once we get to know Christ, once we're born again, once we're saved, our job is to grow in him so that we can bear much fruit. Why? So we can show off 
for Jesus. Not us show off, but we show off him. We want people to look at our trees and look at our vineyard and go, wow, wow. I live where you live, but my fruit don't look like that. What's the difference? It's Jesus, man. It's Jesus. And listen to me. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's living inside of us, pumping the juice through us that makes our apples and oranges and our grapes and our, and our vines look great. That's what it's all about. And it's not conditioned to a season or a storm. You may be going through a storm in your life or through a season of your life, but listen to me. The storm or the season does not impact your fruit. All it does is it juices up the octane of the Holy Spirit to even flow even stronger in the seasons of drought and the seasons of storm. I, I know people that go through storms and I, I can still see them and their fruit looks better in the storm and in the drought than it does in the dadgum just paradise. Because Jesus said, I am not bothered by your circumstance or circumstance. I am still God. And I'll still pump my juice through you called the Holy Spirit and you'll still produce fruit bigger and better even in a season so others can see you and give glory to me. Because what it's all about is not for us to stand on the mountain and beat our chest and say, look at me. No, no, no. Because you beat your chest, God take you out, all right? It's about you making much of God and showing off for him. The platforms and the, the uh, stages and the turf that God has given you to speak from is a gift from God. It's not for you to pound your chest. It's a pound for you to show off your fruits so they glorify God. That's what it's all about. The minute you start pounding your chest on that thing that God gave you, the minute he pulls that thing right out from under you. And then watch what you pound. You pound your booty on the ground. That's what you'd be pounding, all right? Because he'll take you out, all right? Because that's not what God's about. God's about exalting himself. Not because he needs it, because it brawls other people to him. We're all about that. So I want you to go over the Matthews gospel. I want you to see a couple of trees here. One's a bad tree, one's a good tree, all right? Go to Matthew chapter seven. Look at verses 15. Watch out for false prophets. And let me say this to you. There are tons of false prophets out there. I, I, I pray the Holy Spirit would give you a spirit of discernment and revelation so you'll know who they are because they're out there. You gotta be careful, all right? They come to you like in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are like ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree cannot, a bad tree bears bad fruit. Look at verse 18. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does bear good fruit is cut, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, not their mama's fruit, not their daddy's fruit, not their church's fruit, not their, not their family's fruit, but by their fruit. Listen, when you get born again and you're saved and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, that the, the fruit on your tree is not dependent on anybody else but it's you. You've got to eat from the table, eat from what God's given you through his word and getting yourself in worship and God will, God will produce the fruit in your life. Listen to me, it's not subject to anything else. You can be as healthy and as fruit bearing as you want to be. Because listen to me, the word of God is available to be munched on every time the sun pops. It's an invitation for you to meet with God. If you meet with God, he'll bear much fruit in your life. But apart from me, you can't do nothing. You won't have no fruit. 
You can want fruit, but you'll have no fruit. So go to, go to Galatians. That's kind of our text. Go to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, look at verse 16. Galatians five, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. For the sinful nature or the lust of the flesh, as the NIV, as the New King James says, desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So you do not do what you want. But look at verse 18. But, and I've told you, they're all sizes of butts. This is a big old butt right here. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. For the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. The New King James says that the acts of the sinful nature or the lust of the sinful nature is evident. So last week, we looked at evident. They're outward, all right? I said to you before, I'm not, I'm not a baker. I don't bake things. If I ever bake a cake and bring it to your house, don't eat it. Just, just saying. Just say, thank you, Jeff. I love you. appreciate you. love you as my pastor. And then when I leave and you go in the house, just open up trash can, throw it in there, and, and that'd be fine. I'm not going to be hurt by that. So listen to me. If you're trying to do a recipe, and I know this is about baking, there's a recipe, and you better stick to it, unless you're really, really good, okay? All right? So if you've got a big old bowl, and you're starting to bake a cake or something, and you put some ingredients in there, and then you all of a sudden realize, wow, hoo-hoo, I got off. I don't know how many scoops of cornstarch I put in, and I'm not sure how much sugar I put in, and I guarantee you that was way too much salt. <laughs> oh, my goodness, all right? So if you ever find yourself in that predicament, here's what you do not do. You don't go, wow, so there's the recipe. I think I better read that. So on top of what you already put in the bowl, you start putting the right stuff in. Well, that ain't gonna work out, my friend. Because what you have to do is you have to take the bowl with all the bad stuff and you have to dump it out. And then you have to take the stuff that's good and supposed to be in there and you put it in there. Because if you do this, if you put the good stuff on top of the bad stuff, even when you're baking a cake, that's gonna be some kind of nasty cake, all right? And in life, you can't put a bunch of good stuff, all right, on top of the bad stuff. What Paul does in Galatians 5 is, in verses 19 and 20, he gives a list of 18 works of the flesh, the things the flesh are trying to produce in you. These are bad, bad things. The flesh never takes a day off. It's constantly trying to produce this in your life. Why? Because it doesn't like you. The flesh is attached to the enemy, the Satan, and the devil. All right, the Spirit is connected to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. They love you. The enemy doesn't love you. The flesh is always trying to kill and steal and destroy you, always. It not only always is, it testifies that that's the only thing it's trying to do. But Jesus said that you, that's fine. Let them testify to what they're trying to do. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I have come to give them life and give it to them more abundantly. So Jesus is trying to give you the good cake, dude. You need to throw out the bad junk. You can't dump the good stuff. Too many believers or too many Christians or too many people in church, they, they, they have all this stuff in their heart. Because last week we looked at five things outside all right, that other people can see fruit. This is eight things today, <laughs> eight things that you can hide really well in your heart. And nobody knows they're there but the people that are really close around you, right, that see you all the time. So what happens is we have this junk in our heart and it's bad recipe. It's gonna produce a bad, bad fruit. It's gonna produce bad weeds. But instead of throwing it out, and starting with the good stuff, we pile the good stuff on top of the bad stuff thinking we're gonna get different results. Yeah, you might grow an apple tree, 
but just behind that apple tree comes all these thistles and all these thorns. Why? Because you never got the junk out of your heart. And what happens sometimes is all the junk in your life chokes out all the good stuff God's doing so nobody even notices or sees it. And sometimes it can beat you down because you feel like you're not making any progress. Why? Well, if you'd have taken the roots of that junk in your life that's in your heart deep down inside that you push down inside and rip that stuff out and let God build a new foundation on you, then your house will be stronger. But you can't put all that junk on top of that sand. That sand's gonna sink when the storm comes. You gotta put it on a rock. His name is Jesus. So we looked at that. The works of the flesh never takes a day off. No PTO, man. So I'm gonna run through eight things. I don't want you to give up on me. I know you're eight. Oh my gosh, I can't count to six. All right, if you can only count to six, ask your neighbor to help you two more, all right? But I gotta run through these real fast. I'm not running through them. I'm gonna try to go at a good speed, but you gotta listen really fast, okay? I'm gonna run through eight things. These are eight characteristics of the flesh, works of the flesh. These are things that the enemy, the Satan, the works of the flesh that are trying to work in your life every day. He's trying to work it in your life every day. If he can put it in your life every day, then he can show it off. And we're not gonna show off the works of the flesh. We're gonna show off the fruits that he wants to put in our lives, all right? So these are eight things. Number one is this, hatred, hatred. People that hate one another have a deep issue with each other. They're holding on to resentment, grievances, complaints, grudges that go way back in time. And they have very deep roots. Instead of letting go, they are divided. They're hostile, fiercely opposed to each other. As we say today, they've dug their heels in the ground. They ain't moving. They're not moving. And sometimes this stuff can be little petty stuff. But they, they've set up camps and they dug their heels in and not moving. I told you about my grandfather. My grandfather's a Cherokee Indian man, fought in our country in World War II. He's a pipe fitter, lived down in South Texas, worked at Dow Chemical Plant. When my granddad was living down there, a neighbor moved in across the street, Hispanic man, Daniel Zapata. He didn't like Hispanics. My granddad hates Hispanics or hated Hispanics, all right? And he would always tell me every time I'd come down, can't believe they moved in my neighborhood. I'm like, granddad, you need to let that go. So time went on, and they lived there the whole time, decade after decade. My granddad got about 75, 74 years old. He got cancer really, really bad and uh, started deteriorating quick. And so he would always want to bring a lawn chair out and sit in the garage and raise both garage doors about three o'clock because the whistle at Dow Chemical Plant blew at three. And when he could hear the whistle from his house, if the wind was blowing really strong off the beach. And so he'd hear that whistle. He knew in about 30 minutes, all his buddies that worked at Dow Chemical would be coming home. And they would always say, hey, Big Mo, love you, Big Mo, all this stuff. And so he was sitting out there. And, 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 and one of the things that was happening when my granddad got real sick was, Daniel, who lived across the street, the Hispanic man, would come over and mow my granddad's yard. He would trim my granddad's trees. He would cut roses from my grandmother's plants and make bouquets and take them to her. His wife would go shopping for my grandmother to buy groceries so my grandmother never had to leave my granddad. So my granddad sits out there in that lawn chair, and every time he's in the lawn chair in the garage, he always wanted a Miller light. terrible thing, but that's what he did. Right? He had to have his Miller light and sit in the lawn chair. And so over time, over time, as Daniel continued to do this, my granddad got another lawn chair one day and set it beside his. 
and he didn't really invite Daniel to come sit. Daniel finally just said, hey, Mo, you mind if I sit there? Come on up. So Daniel began to sit after he mowed the yard. He'd sit and talk to my granddad. And weeks and days went by. And over time, they built a great friendship. And over time, Daniel was able to uh, make inroads of my grandfather through love. And then he shared the gospel with my grandfather. And my grandfather, at 77 years old, cancer eating him up. He got out of that lawn chair and got on his knees. And he, Daniel held on to him. And he prayed to receive Christ in that garage and was born again. And the day I drove to South Texas to do my grandfather's funeral, I stood here and Daniel Zapata stood right beside me. And together, the grandson and the Hispanic man that my grandfather hated, right, did his funeral. And that little wife of Daniel's sat right next to my Mimi and held her hand. A believer, a believer. Daniel and his wife are missionaries, right? A believer has a love of Jesus inside of them. A believer, born again child of God's, can not hate. It should not hate. I don't care what that person did, what they said, how long it's been. Maybe you think it was the, maybe you think it was Pike's Peak, it was huge. But I'm telling you right now, there is no place for hatred in a born again child of the king because he never hated you when you were a wretch, you were a mess. He loved you and never stopped loving you. And he chased you down. And that's the same love that he's after everyone with. And he may wanna use you to take his love to someone else. And even if they hate you, you go. If they spit on your face, you go. If they ignore you, you go. If they say bad things about you, because I'm gonna say something to you. I know for a fact from Daniel that early in that friendship, sitting by those two men, sitting by each other in that lawn chair, this old Indian right there, he didn't say nice things to that dude. Did not say it. He called him things that we don't say, shouldn't say. He called him that. But Daniel never stopped coming. He never stopped coming. He never stopped coming. If you're a born-again child of the king today, there's a day in your life that you've been born again, you should not have the works of the flesh of hatred in your life. That shouldn't even be in your vocabulary because it's wrong for a believer, somebody born of God, to say hate. That shouldn't even come from your heart. And if it comes from your heart, you need to rip that root out and kill it because that word should not be in your heart, should not be in your heart. No place for it. Number two, after hatred, he says, contentions, all right? Contentions, we don't say that a lot. Also, word for the contentions is discord, all right? Meaning discord, meaning not in one accord, all right? You've ever heard a worship team or a band play out of chord? <laughs> That's bad. Even I know that. I don't know anything about music. I'm like, I don't think it sounds like that. That's not what it's supposed to sound like, all right? They're out of chord. They're not in one accord. This is a bitterly mean spirit that is so consumed with its own self-interest and self-ambitions that it would rather split and divide than to admit it was wrong or give an inch to an opponent. Division occurs when the flesh simply hates to surrender, to admit that it was wrong, to let someone else be right or to compromise. Now, I'm gonna say something to you. You're seeing discord and contention, and you're gonna see another word we're gonna look at in just a little bit, dissension, alive and well in the United States of America. What's going on in this country today is sad. Sad. Sad, sad, 
sad. And it's not right. It's not right, men. It is not right. There are men and women, better known as male and female, and that's all they are, that fought for this country, right, and gave us what we enjoy today, what sets us apart as America. That's called freedom. We have freedom in this country. That is a precious gift from Almighty God. I'm telling you. And don't you think for a second that you wanna go someplace that doesn't have freedom. Freedom is awesome. Freedom is beautiful. Men and women died for us to be free. We have another thing given to us. It's from God Almighty. It's from our creator. He gave man choice. Choice and freedom are gifts, big gifts. America is free because of what men and women did. They laid their life down to give this country freedom. They fought for that, died for that. And we should walk in that every day. But God said, I'm gonna give man choice. And choice is a beautiful gift from God. Both of those are under attack. Both of them, every single day, are being stripped away. They're stripping away our freedom little bit by little bit by little bit. And they're absolutely trying to strip away our choice. Our choice is not given to us from our government. It's given to us from God. You can't take my choice away. My choice comes from God. You didn't give it to me. You were hatched in this country just like I was. It's a privilege to be an American. It is absolutely a privilege to be an American. And God gave man a choice. We see the beauty of choice every day. We see the curse of choice every day. You can see it almost in one hour on Sansi. But I'm telling you, you can see choice. You can see the beauty of it. You see the curse of it. But I'm telling you right now, what's being done by some of the people in this country is sad. It's not right, man. It's, it's pitting companies against workers and workers against country com, uh, companies. It's got friends, man. They've worked together for 20, 25, 30 years, some of them. And I'm telling you, they're loyal, loyal to each other. And I've seen friendships severed, man. I've seen jobs severed. I've seen, I've seen that eliminated. Why? Why? Because they're taking a freedom and they're taking a choice away. Listen to me. If that's your choosing, a mask or a shot, if that's your choosing, if that's what God said, then do what God said. But if God didn't say it to you, don't do it. Don't do it because the government said it. Don't do it because fear said it. Listen, you can't promise somebody safety and security. God says, even in this world, you're gonna have trouble. I'm sorry. This, uh, it's all in the name of safety. safety. Bull, you can't promise safety, man. It's a risk pulling out of my driveway. It's a risk every day. You can't do that in a country like this. And they are pitting people against people. They're dividing people. It's those who did and those who didn't. That makes them good and us bad. No, what is that? That's not us. We are Americans born by God, a privilege of being a free country. We've been given a choice by God. And we have one voice in our life, and that's God. That's the only voice you got. No other voice speaks for you. I'm sorry, but that's the truth, man. Because if man can speak for you or talk you into something, another man can talk you out of it. But if God says it, he pours concrete, man, and that you build your life on that. And I'm saying this, man, this contention and discord and dissension that they've got going on, we have going on in our country is sad, man. It makes me very, very sad. And it breaks my heart because we have people in our church, man, they're agonizing over this stuff, man, and it's wrong. They shouldn't even have to entertain this in this country. That shouldn't even have to be something you have to think about and pray about in this country. 
America is about freedom. It's about choice. But ultimately, it's about one voice. That's a child of God's. It's about God. And if God said, do it, do it. And don't be ashamed of it. But if God didn't say, do it, don't do it. And don't be ashamed of it. That's the bottom line. And it doesn't matter. What the choice you make is, you make your choice according to what God said to you. And then you go with it. And you realize you're a brother, man, and you're a sister. And you love each other. You're an American and you stand. You stand for the flag. Number three, hatred's one, contentions or discord's another, breaks unity, right? Number three is jealousy. Jealousy should not be in a believer. It's a fruit. It's not a fruit of the spirit. It is a work of the flesh. When the first person is jealous, envious, resentful, and filled with ill for the other person who received the blessing that he or she wanted or felt like they rightfully deserved. You see jealousy all the time. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with wanting something, but you're gonna have disappointment in life. You're not gonna get everything you want. And you cannot get jealous, slam the other person, dog the other person, talk about the other person, let that jealousy get a seed in you because if you let jealousy reign inside your heart, this, the, the works of the flesh, the flesh will go, oh yeah, you're right, you should be jealous. You should, be je- you should not like them. And they'll feed that flesh, you'll feed that flesh, they'll feed that flesh. And here's what flesh does. The flesh that has jealousy inside of it, it feeds it, it says, oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you should be jealous, you should be jealous. Guess what happens? A whole bunch of jealous people also will come and be your friend. That's the truth. Jealous people will find jealous people, all right? It happens every time, all right? And they will feed your jealousy and tell you that your flesh is right. And all of a sudden, you're gonna have a little pack of jealous people, and you're gonna walk around with all your hurts inside your heart. And guess what? You're gonna think you're right and jealous pack, but your jealous pack needs blown up by the Holy Spirit. It's sick, all right? That kind of stuff has no place finding any soil that it can land in in a believer, the Holy Spirit soil in your life, when jealousy hits that soil, it ought to say, uh-uh, not in my house. And the Holy Spirit should pluck that seed of jealousy and throw it away. Do not let that seed of jealousy reign in your heart. Seed of jealousy will drive your car further than you ever wanted to go, man. And it'll keep you a lot longer than you ever wanted to be there. Jealousy has no place in a believer. Number four is this, outburst. Outburst. Some of you are going, I was hoping he wouldn't get there. Yep, sorry. <laughs> all right? Outburst, all right? No elbowing right now either, all right? The Greek word for outburst is the- thermos, all right? You kind of get the word thermos. What's it do? It holds heat in, all right? It is used throughout the New Testament of a picture of a person who literally is boiling over with anger about something. Although the person tries to push this anger down by shoving it deep, it just continues to flare up. You might say this person is a volcano. And that's exactly what it is. A person has outburst, fits of rage, or temper, right? Sometimes we say, man, I'm sorry, I lost my temper. I wanna apologize for what I said. <laughs> I'm sorry, but can I help you with something? We're apologizing for the wrong thing. See, we're apologizing for what our temper that flared up in our heart said out there. We apologize for that word. You know what happens? If there's nobody to apologize, we continue to have the same temper problem. 
And we only apologize for our temper when the word gets out there and hurts somebody. See, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're chasing behavior. If you will chase the flame of temper and crucify the flesh and the works of the flesh and figure out why that rage is in you, why that anger is in you, why that temper is in you, then if you deal with that and crucify it and sacrifice it, it'll never rise up again to even have a chance to say that word. See, don't chase the words that temper says. Chase temper itself. Why am I like this? Well, Jeff, my granddad, he was... He red-blooded American. He had temper all the time. He'd kick all kind of stuff, the dog, the cat. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, my dad had the same thing, and I do the same thing. And we got a six-month-old, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen that six-month-old. He's already got a temper, all right? Well, you need to crucify your temper and tell your son how you won victory over it because he's going to grow and be just like you. And guess what he's going to bring over your house at Christmas? About the temper of kids. They're your grandkids. He's going to leave them with you, and you're going to run them off. And you're going to go, I'm going to kill these grandkids. I'm going to kill them. No, they're just like you. God brought that commercial right to you. He brought that test right to you. So sit there and pop your popcorn and enjoy it because that's what you're looking at. I'm looking at you. Your wife's going, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's you. All right? Listen to me. You got to blow that temper up, man. Jesus said, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh wants you to feed that. That's nothing but an excuse. My grandfather, my dad, and I have a temper. That's just nothing to do with it. It's the way I am. That's the way I'm wired. You married me. Lucky you. All right? No, that ain't lucky you. Lucky you is I'm about to kill it if you don't kill it. So here's the deal. You got to kill that temper. You got to crucify that flesh. That ain't nothing but the flesh, man. A man that walks in the spirit and in the word, that, that, that temper might be in you, but it'll be suppressed. All right? It'll be tempered and not come out of you. Scripture tells us two times, right? Once in Matthew and once in Mark, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the what? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, temper can't speak, but the heart can. Temper ain't your problem. Your heart's your problem. See, quit chasing smoke. It'll make you tired. Find the flame. Cut that off. Smoke go away. It just go away. See, tempers, rage, outburst, volcano-like personality, that's a heart thing. It's not a mouth thing. You say, I just got a bad mouth. No, you got a bad heart. Your mouth's fine. You should brush your teeth more, but your mouth's fine, all right? Nothing wrong with your mouth. It's your heart that's the problem. Your mouth can't say anything that didn't come from your heart. I promise you. Deal with your heart, your temper will go away. As a born-again child of God's, your temper can be tempered by the Holy Spirit of God when it's surrendered. As long as you own it, you're gonna get in the flesh and it's gonna be bad, right? Nobody likes to live around a volcano. Nobody lives comfortable around a volcano. Why? Because you don't know when it's gonna blow, but you know it's gonna blow. And when it does, the lava goes everywhere. So everybody dances around your little moods and your little attitudes, your little demeanors. What kind of day did he have? What kind of day did she have? Oh my God, it's volcano day, I'm going to my room, right? That ain't no house, that's wrong, that's bad. That spirit's gotta go. It's got to be crucified. Number five, some of you are like, thank the Lord, number five. All right, selfish ambition, all right? Selfish ambition. This is a person more concerned about itself and the fulfillment of its own wants, desires, and pleasures than it is about meeting the needs of others. Listen to me. All of us, every one of us are born with a selfish nature. It is something you're going to fight, 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 fight because we like to have our own thing. We like it our way. We like to have our favorite food, our favorite dessert, our favorite stuff. Holidays are coming. What's, a, what's tough? 
What do you want? I want this. Well, you can't have all of it. Somebody's going to have to lose here, okay? So it's all, everybody wants their own stuff, right? You're going to have to beat selfishness down all the time. We're all more selfish than we think we are, your pastor included, okay? We all like it our way. But you, under the control of the Holy Spirit, the selfishness will be tempered. If you don't sacrifice and kill selfishness, the flesh will feed your selfishness and it will be out of control and it'll be all about you. If you have children, I wanna encourage you to start early teaching them how not to be selfish. And the greatest way you can teach your children how to not be selfish is to do constantly consistent things for other people. Have them bake stuff for them, have them have them collect money and go buy them something, have your kids go serve in a soup kitchen, have them take somebody something that's homeless, let them do something for somebody. Because when your children are doing stuff for other people, it takes their eyes off of them and they're gonna get to see what the joy is of making somebody else feel loved and accepted and giving them something. And that's gonna get inside of them because it's inside of Jesus. And when they give their life to Christ, it's just gonna continue to grow and you're never gonna have to teach it again. But if you let your kids have everything they want, when they want it, how they want it, because they want it, because no, nobody can tell them what to do, guess what? <laughs> They're telling you what to do, okay? So you've got to break that curse of, of, of selfishness because it's in every one of us, okay? There's nothing worse than a selfish adult. Break the kid, please. Save us all, all right? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Set us all free, all right? Number six, I kind of talked about number six earlier. Uh, number six is dissensions, all right? It means to stand apart as one who rebels, steps away from someone who should be loyal to. It's the ultimate act of defiant or disloyalty to an establishment or authority. That's, that's, that we're having that in our country. That is, that is, I've already talked about it. I don't wanna talk about it anymore, but dissension is alive and well in our country. Has no place, has no place. It's from the enemy. I'm telling you, it's from the enemy itself and it means nothing but being. It's just bad. It's bad, bad, bad. Number seven, heresies are factions. In the New Testament, these groups were considered to be unauthorized because they were not submitted uh, to the authority of the church leadership. In today's contemporary language, we would call these groups cliques, a group of people who believe and conduct themselves as if they are exclusive. Every one of us knows cliques, and we don't like them, all right? Clicks are, not, clicks are bad. They're bad in the family. They're bad in the church. They're bad in children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry, adult ministry. They're just bad. They're bad everywhere because they're people that think they're entitled to get something they don't, they don't naturally deserve. Everybody, everybody should be equal. There shouldn't be a favoritism. Too many times in the church, what we get is a group of people that want me church. They want me to give them church just like they like it. Sing the songs I like, preach what I like, don't preach what I don't like, all right? And don't call my sin out and do this and do that. And I'm like, sorry, that's not gonna be your pastor, okay? So I recommend other churches so they can go bless that church, all right? But listen, clicks, clicks have no place. Clicks have no place. We are one big church united under God, bought by the blood of the Lamb. We're here to worship God, not you. We're gonna sing all kinds of songs. Why? Because we're all kinds of people. We're gonna preach the whole word. Why? Because it's living, active, and, 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 and it's the word of life. It's, it sustains us. We're not gonna just preach what feels good. We're gonna call sin, sin. Clicks will kill everything, man. So if you are a person and you like to build these little clicks because you think you're inclusive, can I say something to you? That's a work of the flesh. That's from, that's from the enemy. The enemy is the father of a click. 
Jesus is the father of the church, right? You make sure you're operating as a spirit-filled believer like a church, and that is you love everyone and everyone's equal, okay? Blow up the cliques because they'll kill you. Number eight, envy. Envy is a lot like jealousy, right? A deeply felt grudge because someone possesses what a person uh, what a person wishes they have for themselves. An individual covets the belongings and accomplishments and relationships and titles of their life. Listen to me. Envy is absolutely a weed you don't want in your heart. If you have envy for someone, you need to be careful. You need to pull that weed out. You don't need to go, I wish I had their house. I wish I had their car. I wish I had their position. If I had that, I'd be so happy. Trust me, God knows you best. If you had that, you would not be happy, okay? That's why you don't have it, all right? Listen, be careful what you wish you had because you might get it, okay? I'm just saying to you, God will give you the desires of your heart. When your heart matches his, you'll get that. When he can trust his heart, he'll trust your heart. You gotta understand every good and perfect gift comes down from God, but it's on God's timing too. It's not just perfect. People read that scripture like, oh, all right. Every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven above, bring it. God's like, yeah, but I'm God and it's on my time. Trust God. Be patient with God. He's patient with you. You keep doing the right thing. You keep doing what you need to be doing. God will bless your life incredibly. Don't envy other people because a heart that envies and is jealous of other people will probably have God hold back on anything that he wants to do in their life because he wants to see some maturity in your life. Listen to me. If you can't cheer and clap for your enemy, you're not over your enemy. So if you have people that you have problems with that you're jealous of and you're envious of, if you can pray for them and bless them, then that shows a heart that mirrors God, and God might bless that heart. But as long as you think you should deserve it and they shouldn't get it, and just because they have it, that means you should get it because you're better than them. He just heard that. You didn't say it out loud, but he heard that. And he's gonna continue to hold that back. Several questions I wanna ask. Do you routinely allow hatred to thrive inside your heart or soul? Do you routinely exhibit a bitterly spirit, bitterly mean spirit that is consumed with its own self-interest? Do you routinely permit yourself to be jealous, resentful, and envious of what other people have? Do you routinely lose your temper, fly in the rage, and give way to destructive outbursts? Are you routinely so self-consumed that you're blinded by the desires in other people in your life and you don't even see the desires in their lives? Do you routinely rebel and live defiance of authority and show yourself to be disloyal? Do you routinely act as if you're the inclusive clique, it's all about you, and you're superior to other people? Do you routinely begrudge other people's belongings, accomplishments, and relationships, and titles in life to exalt your own? If these works of the flesh are the norm, are the pattern, are the routine of your life, it might be an example. It might be that you've never been born again. 1 John 3, 6 says, you, it is impossible for you to live in sin, habitually live in sin, have a heart like that, and be born again. You cannot be a child of God's and have that black, yuck, ugly, deep heart. Listen to me. If you're masquerading that by works, trying to cover over the hollowness that says I'm born again, listen to me. You're not hiding it. 
People will see your heart eventually. And if you know this is who you are, call it what it is. You say, Jeff, I, I've tried to just put a best foot forward. I tried to pick up, you know, pick up my boots by the bootstraps. I tried to turn over a new leaf, but I continue to fall back in that same old junk every time. It may be because you're trying to do all this stuff in your own strength and you'll never beat the flesh in your own strength because the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of you. The only way to win in the works of the flesh is to be born of the Spirit. When you're born of the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, right? You have power. You can recognize the Spirit, right? You can recognize the works, and you can call out the stuff of the works, right? But if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, all you're gonna do is try harder, right? You'll never get there because it's not about trying, it's about dying. When you die to yourself, you're raised to walk a new life in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You're the same person, same name, but a new creation. You have the Holy Spirit power living inside of you. Now the flesh does not call the shots. The Spirit of God calls the shots. You have one voice. It's not your voice, it's God's voice. And he takes all that junk in your heart and he cleans it up and makes it white as pure. Now, are you gonna fight against it every once in a while? You bet you. The second group of people in this house is the people that said, you know, Jeff, I'm about four for eight on this list. Well, you need to find the four that you're struggling with and speak Jesus over them. Don't say, well, I'm gonna try harder, honey. No, you said that 97 times and a 98th will be the same way. You're not gonna, you are gonna try, but you're not gonna be able to do it because you never surrendered it. So some of you in here have been jealous all your life. Some of you in here struggle with the word hate. You have it in your heart. Some of you in here have trouble with temper and you know it. Some of you have said, oh, it's just, you know, I just, it's just every once in a while. No, it's your heart. It's all the time, right? It's in you. You've got to surrender and lay down and sacrifice and crucify the flesh because if you don't crucify it, it's going to come up. It's going to come up. The works of the flesh were put there by Paul before the fruits of the Spirit. Why? Because if you don't clean the heart up, it doesn't matter what you add to it because the weeds are going to grow and people won't be able to see your fruit. Why? Because when they see you, all your fruit, and you got some, it's covered up by weeds. Why? Because there's some areas in your life called the works of the flesh that are choking out all the good stuff God's doing in your life. And you can dress it up and perfume it up and cologne it up and talk it up, and you can look good. But I'm gonna tell you right now, if what you really see is roots, the roots of the weeds, you need to get those roots of the weeds out so your fruit looks better. Let me tell you what happens when the fruit on your tree and vine doesn't have to share its nutrients with, with, with weeds. Your fruit gets bigger faster. It gets bigger faster. In the house, you have to come to terms with this. Am I losing to the flesh because I'm still in the flesh? Or am I losing to the flesh because there's areas of the flesh I haven't surrendered? That's the two things on the table. All right, I'm gonna ask you to stand, church. Worship team comes on out. If you're on the ministry team, I'm gonna invite you to come forward as well. For those of you joining us online, the same questions are on the table. My struggle with the flesh because I've never been born of the Spirit or my struggling with areas of flesh in my life because I'm born again, but I've never sacrificed or surrendered those areas of the flesh. In the house, this is where you deal with this. Whatever the Spirit has said to you, you respond to that. And I said the first service, sometimes we hear things and like the works of the flesh and we name stuff like temper and jealousy and envy and other things. 
and we say, yeah, I'm gonna stay right where I'm at and I'm just gonna ask God to help me with that. <laughs> but didn't you do that last week and last month and last year and last decade also? And nothing changed. Instead of promising Jesus that you'll do this and he can help you, how about you come down here to Jesus at the altar and let the healer set you free? The altar is where you kill stuff. It's where you sacrifice stuff. Check your Bible. So you take your temper back there and don't promise it again. Take that temper, bring it up here. Put it on the altar of God's and ask him to cover it with the blood and you kill it right there. And you get up in freedom. Walk back, a new person. And you'll have a different look on your face and you'll have a different glow in your eyes. And your husband or your wife will go, yep, it's dead now. It's dead now. It's dead now. So if that's you, altar's yours. If you need to be born again, if you're tired of fighting the flesh and the works of the flesh is kicking your tail, come and die and be raised again. And Jesus will kick the flesh's tail for you. All right, let me pray for us. Father, we love you. You have spoken. Father, the same good God that we celebrate at the beginning of the service is the same good God at invitation. God, you can't just be a good, good father in worship and not a good, good father at the end of the word. So God, I pray that the church online and in the house understands that you're the same good, good father. And if you highlighted something in our lives, it's because you highlighted it because you love us. And it's time to set us free. And so God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will move in this house. God, you would move us. We might be standing there going, I'm not moving, preacher. I don't care what you say. I ain't moving. I don't move, and I'm not gonna move this time. Well, I pray that whatever you say to me will be squashed by what Jesus says to you. And God, I pray that you will set us free today. God, we love you. The Holy Spirit speak now, and the Holy Spirit move us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.